I want to begin reading in Acts chapter number 13, and we'll begin in verse number 1, very familiar text concerning New Testament missions. Now there were in the church, it was Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As he ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So then being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto solution. From thence they sailed to Cyprus. And they were at uh, Salamis. They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. Now I'm going to stop there for the sake of time. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We thank you for the church services already that we've experienced in the worship. Thank you for your divine presence, for the wonderful testimonies. Thank you for the music that has stirred our hearts. Lord, I would pray that as we come and gather around the Word of God that you may help us tonight. Lord, I would ask you that you would encourage us in the Scriptures. May you help us, I pray, to lift before your people in your church tonight New Testament missions. And Lord, preadventure, there's one here tonight that has been praying and seeking the will of God concerning a lifetime of service in some capacity. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would convict that individual, if it be your will, that you'd lead them into world missions and evangelization. Raise up some, some young man to preach the gospel, to serve in some capacity as pastor, evangelist, as missionary, a, a youth worker in some type of ministry. I pray your blessings upon our staff here at the church and the school and those that often labor behind the scenes that are almost never recognized or seen by the people and the public. But our Father, they're faithful in fulfilling their duties and responsibilities. From ushering to counting the funds and treasury and secretary and deacons and Sunday school teachers and many other facets. And then our pastor that loves us as your people. Lord, I thank you for him and I pray your blessings upon him. Miss Alita, may you have your good hand upon her. God, may you continue to provide in a marvelous way. May when it's all said and done, we look back and stand amazed at the grace of God. Lord, may we be encouraged at your goodness and your provisions. I pray tonight now you'll help us to give a good summary on the scriptures and do justice to our text tonight. We need you, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to give a brief, a very, very brief summary of New Testament missions tonight. And I understand with the time that I'll only get started, I actually am up to almost 36 pages of notes in my study, and I really haven't even gotten started. I'm barely out of Paul's third missionary journey. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to preach 36 pages of notes, and I only have half pages for notes tonight to begin with. So in reality, I would have 64 pages or 62 pages of notes uh, tonight. But I just want to give a brief summary on this subject matter. I love studying text and the scriptures and taking it within its context and seeing what the Lord has for us in the Bible. Many times we become redundant in our study of the scriptures and therefore we become redundant in our ministry and our presentation of the gospel. And I've asked the Lord for many years to allow us to be balanced in the scripture. 
I thank God. That's one of the things I thank God for for our pastor. He can preach on hell. He can preach on heaven. He can preach on salvation. He can preach and God will have his hand upon him concerning the church. And we get a well-balanced diet, if I may put it that way, here at Bible Baptist Church from our pastor. And I'm grateful for that. And I want to be a balanced preacher. I want to be able to preach on just about any topic, any subject, at any given time in the Scriptures and in the Word of God. As we come to the book of Acts chapter number 13, and I would like to preface tonight the book of Acts by this statement. And I may make some statements tonight that will be foreign to your uh, hearing and to your understanding of the Scriptures tonight. And with that, I would ask that you be patient and hear what I have to say concerning New Testament missions. I'll promise you tonight I'll say nothing that I do not have biblical text and context in order to back it up in the Word of God. Tonight I uh, have studied the book of Acts and I've read many uh, over my years of ministry concerning the book of Acts and there are some fantastic books out on the subject matter and on this book. But I have heard Acts uh, labeled as the Acts of the Apostles and I would have to say amen that it is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the uh, disciples and the Apostles in the New Testament. Some have said that it is a transitional book and I would not argue with that completely. I, I don't think that's all what it's about but I certainly wouldn't argue with that statement because to some degree it is a transitional book. Some have said that it is the, uh, the acts of God and the church and it's the transition and what God's doing with the New Testament church. And certainly that would be true. But I want to just bring to your attention tonight as I have begun to recap the study of New Testament missions. We pick up in Acts chapter number 13 and if you go back even a few chapters, which we'll not have time to do much of tonight, you'll find, and I've kind of relabeled it for my own personal study, Rather than being the Acts of the Apostles and, and so forth and the Acts of the Holy Ghost, some have labeled it. And again, I wouldn't disagree with that. I would say amen to it. But I have labeled it as the Acts of Missions. Because the book of Acts is really mostly about the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the mission endeavors that he did beginning in Acts chapter number 13 and missions beginning in the church at Jerusalem, which is even promised in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 where he says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. And so I believe that the Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. It is the Acts of the Holy Ghost. But it is also the Acts of Missions and Missionary Endeavors. Now I want to notice uh, tonight three or four things, and that will be all that I can get out of the seven main topics that we have on the subject matter. First, I would like to look in the Scriptures in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1. And note with me, if you would please, the source of missions. The Bible said in verse number 1, there were, now there were in the church that was at Antioch. May I say to you that missions, there's only one source and resource where God calls men and women to serve Him in world missions and evangelization. And I use those words interchangeably and you'll know why momentarily, the Lord willing. But may I say to you that missions always begins with a local church. Outside the local church, there is no New Testament missions. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. There's only one source for missions missionaries and it is out of the local church 
Now, just because you're a member of Bible Baptist Church or any other church for that matter, does not automatically qualify you for missionary service. There's only one source. And may I say to you, it's not just any church. I believe that God has revealed to you and I in the divine pages of God's eternal word that it's not just any church that God calls missionaries out of, but I believe and I have text tonight that the church at Antioch was on fire for God. They had a heart for souls and they had a burden to win people to Christ. And notice, if you would, in Acts chapter 11, a couple of chapters back in verse number 19, the Bible said, Now uh, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen travel as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, uh, preaching the word uh, to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Remember verse number 20, the Lord willing, we'll come back to it in a moment. And notice, if you would, uh, when they came to Antioch, the Bible said they spake to the Grecians, preaching Jesus Christ, and the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and trusted unto, unto the Lord. Then tidings came of these things unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he would go as far as Antioch, who when he had come, now watch the testimony of Barnabas about the local church in Antioch. Notice he said, when it came as far as Antioch, who when he had come and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And I'm going to stop there. But in the text you'll find that Jerusalem had heard about Antioch and what God was doing in that work and that ministry. And they sent Barnabas down to check it out. And when he got there, he came back and said, I'll tell you one thing, I'm glad before the God of heaven, of the good hand of God, how the Holy Ghost of God is working in the midst of that church. It's no wonder God would choose Antioch to call the first New Testament missionaries out of to be of service to him and his work. It's not just any church. It's a church on fire for God. And it's no wonder that here at Bible Baptist Church, we have a number of full-time missionaries and evangelists working out of the church. I believe 11, maybe 12. I, I believe it's 11 or so. And no telling what God's going to do in the future. You say, why? Because we're like the church at Antioch, on fire for God and out for souls and want to worship Him in spirit and in truth and in power. And it's that kind of a church that God called His first missionaries out of. Notice if you would, there's only one source for missions. God never goes outside the local church and calls anybody into the ministry or, and the work of missions. The Bible said he went to that local church, that visible church, there at Antioch, and he found, watch this, we've looked at the source of missions very briefly, and I would like to park there for a substantial amount of time, but I must move on. Notice if you would, secondly, the servants of missions. Notice the source of missions was the church at Antioch. Then, then notice the source of the servants of missions. The Bible said there were certain prophets and teachers. Now, notice there was Barnabas. You're going to find there's five mentioned in this text. Now, let me ask you something. Well, let me read my text. The Bible said there was Barnabas and Simeon, which is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and, and Mannion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, if I've got my numbers right in that text, there's five that God considered for missions out of the church of Antioch. Amen. Now, let me ask you something. 
I don't know how many was in the church at Antioch. I've looked at uh, church history and other things. I've never seen anyone give any record or recollection as to what the uh, potential of the attendance of the church at Antioch was. We have no idea. But I do know this. The Bible said when God was looking for missionaries, had he went into the church at Antioch, a church on fire for him, that Barnabas himself said he was glad before God that he had his hand upon them. They were winning people to the Lord. The church has been added to and growing. But when God was looking for a missionary, he went to that church above even of the other churches in the New Testament. And the Bible said in that church there was only five given consideration for missions. Now, isn't that something? I wonder about the others. Why didn't they meet the qualifications? Why did God overlook them in world missions and evangelization? You know, I know men today that are good men. They're preachers. Uh, They want to do something for God. I remember when we lived out in the uh, state of Wyoming, we'd come back and preach in certain areas, and I'll not mention the churches. It's beside the point. But I'd preach and I'd get done and people would come say, Oh, Brother Ellis, let us know if there's a church out there needing a pastor. And I'd call back and send letters and information and call. And they'd say, Well, I don't want that one. Just if another one opens up, let me know. And I'd call them again and again and again. And after a while, I determined they didn't want a pastor unless it was the church they were sitting at. You know something? God... Got a whole mission field out there, a world that's dying going to hell. And I've learned that if a person's not willing to win souls at home, they're not going to win souls on the mission field. If a man's not willing to evangelize at home, he's not going to evangelize when he's away from home. And so we find these five men. Now the Bible has a lot to say about some of them. Some of it doesn't give us much. And so I'm going to give you a brief summary of these servants. You say, why would you do that? I'm going to give you a brief summary because I want you to see each individual and see how God uses different men and different people in the ministry. You may be sitting here tonight and say, there's no way I could serve God in capacity of ministry. And even the young ladies that are here tonight or others in the matter of missions. We had someone call the other day. And uh, said that she would like to be a missionary with the Rock of Ages. Just one problem. She was married and her husband wasn't a preacher. (laughs) We'll take single ladies, but we can't take you, ma'am, if you're married. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. It's Bible. (laughs) And so we find Barnabas. Barnabas first appears in the book of Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 36. He is a Levite from Cyprus. Apparently he had some wealth because the Bible said he sold the field of property and gave it and uh, gave it to the apostles for distribution. So we find that here is Barnabas. He had a little bit of wealth. We don't know how much or to what degree, but we do know this, that Barnabas had some wealth. And you may be sitting here tonight and you have more than you know what to do with. Well, can I say to you, uh, just by uh, way as a passing on this thought, our church is looking at uh, getting the uh, building built up the road here. And there's missionaries around the world uh, trying to reach a world that's going to hell. There's evangelists that are out uh, doing the work of God. And God can use wealthy people in the ministry. And He will. And Barnabas, uh, God called him. He was one that was considered. 
The Bible uh, tells us that uh, as you begin to study his life, that uh, he went looking for uh, the Apostle Paul, Saul at the time. And uh, the Bible said that uh, the disciples uh, didn't want anything to do with Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, because they knew he was a persecutor of the church. And uh, so Barnabas interceded and Barnabas introduced the Apostle Paul, Saul at the time, to the disciples and they accepted him. And we find that when God began to look in the church at Antioch, they began, he began to look through the congregation and Barnabas was one that he considered and so was Saul. You say, preacher, what's the significance? Well, you bear with me for a moment. You see, we find that as Barnabas and Paul went into the church at Antioch and tried to be a blessing and encouragement to them, they were godly men. They had influence. Uh, we find that uh, there he goes in and he chooses as they go on the mission field, they take with them John Mark. Yeah. And I'm just going to summarize this tonight and uh, give it to you very quick. We find that Barnabas goes out and says to Paul, Paul, I think we need to take with us John Mark on the mission field and on this journey. And we find that uh, he was allowed to go with them, but he didn't last long. If you read in our text, you find that Saul and Barnabas was commissioned by the church. The church had prayed for them and laid their hands on them and sent them away into the mission field. Now, I'm not saying John Mark was not commissioned and sent, but I'm saying this, it's not in the Bible if he was. And isn't it interesting in the Bible of those that went out on the mission field that is recorded in the Scripture as missionaries, the only one that didn't survive on the mission field was John Mark. And it starts out at Barnabas and Saul. But along the way before, about the midway through the first missionary journey, the Bible reverses the role. And it's no more Barnabas and Saul. It becomes Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas. And so we find that the roles are reversed. And Barnabas is a great man. I'll not take time to go through all of him. But he was one of the five that was considered. And he was a wealthy man. And God blessed him with those resources. And he was willing to use it for God's glory. Then there was Simeon. Not much is known about him. Other than the fact that he is mentioned as one of the five of the church there at Antioch. And thus he was considered for missionary work. While he was active in the church, he was faithful to his calling. He discharged his duties. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible said there were certain prophets and teachers. And uh, we find that he was one of them. He knew doctrine. He knew the Bible. He was involved in daily uh, ministry, uh, serving the Lord. And so God considered him for world missions. Now bear with me tonight. He was called Niger, which means black. He's from a portion of Africa. We find the church at Antioch was an uh, interracial church. They were from various portions. In fact, uh, Lucas was of uh, Cyrene, and that also is in a portion of Africa. And so we find that uh, God can use uh, anyone from any race and any ethnic group for his glory and honor. I've had people look down on third world countries. I've been to third world countries where uh, men of God stood and preached and they may not have the eloquence that we would have in America in some situations, but they stood and they had the hand of God and the power. 
power of God upon them. I see here to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter what uh, background you have or where you come from or how poor or how rich you were. It, God didn't take all those things into consideration when it comes to serving Him. He look, he's looking for a heart, someone who is faithful, someone who loves Him and loves the church that He died and gave Himself for. It is very possible that Lucius, being from Cyrene in chapter number 11, I said to mention and uh, make note of that a moment ago because the founding members of Antioch were from Cyrene. And Lucius was from Cyrene. It's very likely that uh, he was a founding member, though the Bible does not verify that. He probably was. And then there is Mannion. Like Simeon, the Bible didn't have much to say about him. And I'll not get into all that, but then we have Saul. Uh, Saul was a persecutor of Christians and the church. And of course, uh, God would use him in a fantastic way. Now I want to say something here tonight on the servants of missions. I've studied my Bible on the subject matter extensively. Please hear me out before you cut me off tonight. The word missionary is not found in the text of the Bible. You'll not find the word missionary, nor missionaries. You say, then, preacher, why is a Bible? There is a word used in our New Testament. God gave some pastors, some teachers, some prophets, some evangelists, and so on and so forth. The New Testament word for missionary is evangelist. Now, I'm not saying that evangelists today don't meet the criteria of the Bible. Hear me out. So I said, I'm going to say some things tonight you may not get hold of right away. The word missionary is not found in the text of the Scripture. The New Testament word for missionary is evangelist. Because the evangelist would go, and that's what Paul was. He was an evangelist. He would go into Corinth and, and Thessalonica, and he would go into Ephesus, and he'd go into all of these places in his missionary journey and preach the gospel as an evangelist, and people would get converted to Christ. Churches would be established, and Paul was a missionary and evangelist. The evangelists of our day, uh, we separate them to some degree from missions in our theology, but biblical in its context, mission and evangelists are the same thing. So it's okay to support evangelists, and it's okay to support missionaries. They're one and the same. One's no greater than the other, and one's no lesser than the other. They're both biblical. And so we find that the Apostle Paul is going to be used greatly of the Lord. And Paul was a persecutor of the church. He held the coat of Stephen. He locked up Christians on, and he was on the Damascus Road. And you know the story tonight as a believer and how the Holy Spirit of God convicted him and God overpowered him and he was converted to Christ. Now Paul will become a preacher of the gospel, but he... Will not escape, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And even for a person who is unsaved, there are certain things that carry over into the Christian life. For example, someone may have been a drunk or an alcoholic and had cirrhosis of the liver when they were saved. When they're saved, their cirrhosis of the liver is not cleared up and healed immediately. In fact, it may not ever be healed. 
Someone who has cancer, terminally ill, that are dying because of certain things that may have brought it on and certain uh, activities in their life, whether it's lung cancer or other things, uh, that penalty carries over into the new, uh, the new life in Jesus Christ. And Paul was a persecutor of Christians, and as you study his life, he also will be persecuted as a Christian, probably more so than most. And so we find that missionaries that God used are just people like you and I, if I may put it that way. People that love God and serve Him. And one of the greatest men of the Bible, the man who God Himself said, is a man after mine own heart. Is a man who on numerous occasions transgressed against the will of God and even took another man's wife and even had murdered her husband and had part of it. And yet God said of David, he's a man after mine own heart. Tonight, if you sat before us and you've been arguing with God about ministry and doing something for Him, may I submit to you tonight, and I don't have time to go through all of this, biblically speaking, you are unexcusable if you deny what God's doing in your heart. The Bible says there was in the church that was at Antioch. In Paul's first missionary journey, it started out with Paul and Barnabas. And of course, in Acts 13 and verse number 5, as I've already mentioned, John Mark leaves the mission field. And we find that Paul and Barnabas finish their missionary journey, and they go back to the church at Antioch in Acts 14 and verse 26 through 28, and it ends their first missionary journey. And they have come home, and they stay home for a while. Furlough is acceptable according to the Scripture. When a missionary's been on the field and they've given and they've given and they've poured out and they've poured out and they've established works and ministries, they come home, they report to their churches, they rest, they recoup, and they go back to the mission field. Rock of Ages, when we have a missionary come in, especially from a foreign field, we always tell them take a little time to rest. It's Bible. Then they go out on their second missionary journey. It's recorded in Acts chapter number 15, and we find that Paul suggests to Barnabas they go and report to their, uh, check in on their churches and take a second journey. And Barnabas says, and I'm summarizing this, sounds like a good idea. Let's get John Mark and take him with us again. And Paul says, oh no, we're not taking John Mark. He's done left to fill once. I ain't taking him with me. He has proven himself to be unfaithful. And Barnabas and Paul have a division. Sometimes God allows divisions to come between missionaries and ministries. You know, over the years I've seen it where people have split churches and go down the road. And I think to myself, bless God, the judgment of God will be on them. And it seems like for some reason they grow. They have the money. And I can't figure it out. But we forget the grinding will of God's judgment grinds slow but sure. 
And so we find that Barnabas chooses John Mark and they sell off on the mission field. And guess what happens? Barnabas disappears from the pages of the Word of God. He has never mentioned uh, except four times, and it's always in reference to the first missionary journey. He literally fades from the Word of God and there's nowhere to be found. Paul, on the other hand, from the church at Jerusalem, uh, we find that Silas and Judas had been sent to help in the work at Antioch, and Paul chooses Silas, and Silas had the blessing and commissioning of the church at Jerusalem, and they go on their second missionary journey. And uh, tonight, let me just mention a couple of things here, practical principle. I told you it's going to be different. Bear with me. They go on their second missionary journey, and Paul goes into Thessalonica, and there's persecution that comes. And guess what happens? He leaves Thessalonica and goes to Berea. And I've heard people say, well, bless God, if you're called of God, you don't leave no matter what come, what may. Paul did. And then he goes to Berea. The Thessalonians heard about it, came down, stirred up the crowd, and he left Berea. And he ends up in Corinth, and while he's there, he, they also get stirred up and come against him. But this time, God says to him, Paul, I've got a work for you in Corinth. And Paul stayed and preached the Word of God. There were times Paul left the mission field because of the problems and the life-threatening circumstances. There were other times that Paul stayed and stuck it out and preached. What's the difference, you say? The difference is simply this. God said, Paul, you stay. i got to work for you. It's okay if a missionary leaves the field if God gives him the liberty. It's okay if he stays if God gives him the liberty. I remember when we were in Uganda, not long after the um, fall of communism, Bote and Idi Amin, I may have mentioned this a while back, they would go into villages and literally kill them, slaughter the entire villages. They would decapitate them and put their heads on sticks for miles along the, along the roads to strike fear in the heart of the people. They threw so many dead bodies in Lake Victoria, which is the source of the Nile River, it literally, the Nile River began to recede. It took them an extensive amount of time to remove the bodies from Lake Victoria that was plugging the Nile River. And I remember, as we went in, it hadn't been too long after all of that uprising had cleared out, and there was still fear in the hearts of the people. And at that time in the history of Uganda, it has five bordering countries, and there was, had not been one single day in the history of Uganda's existence there had, which there had not been war on one of its borders. And I remember one morning we woke up and the military was coming marching down through the, uh, the city streets in cadence and you could hear the mortars and the gunfire in the distance in the background and uh, we uh, moved out of that city into another region of the country. It's Bible. It's okay to, for the missionary to do that. And then we find that they come back to the, on the second missionary journey and Paul goes out of the third missionary journey. The first missionary journey, it's Paul and Barnabas. Second missionary journey, it's Paul and Silas. Guess who goes with him on the third missionary journey? Just Paul. The work of missions is hard. 
It's difficult. There were challenges that he had to face in the opposition of those who would stand against him. May I say to you, my friend, tonight, and I'm not going to be much longer, I just will have to unhitch on the servants of missions. I wonder who's sitting under the sound of my voice tonight, and I wanted so bad to preach another text and message tonight, and the Holy Spirit of God kept nudging my heart with New Testament missions. I wonder who's sitting under the sound of my voice tonight that God has dealt with over and over and over and over and over again. And you want to do something for God. You desire to do something for God. But you have not yielded. You have not submitted. I remember there was a time in our life I went out and said I was going to go full-time in the ministry. We went out, and within about two weeks, was about to starve to death, preacher. And I told Peggy, you say, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you starve? Doesn't God take care of you? When it's his will, it does. We found out it wasn't his will. And I told Peggy, I said, God's just about going to have to hit me over the head with a ball bat to get my attention to do that again. Well, I'm glad he didn't take me literal. Or I wouldn't be here today. But I remember when the blessed Holy Spirit of God began to deal with us. We began to fast and pray and, and gather with someone. We'd pray every morning around 5 o'clock in the morning to about 6. And we'd fast and pray and seek the will of God. And I remember when I was in an old-fashioned tent meeting over on the Chatsworth Highway. Over there where the Brindle brothers used to live in that area. And I remember our Brother Blue uh, had a tent set up on the right-hand side of the road. And I told Peggy, I said, I'm going to that meeting. Uh, tonight. I don't know, but I just feel like God's got something for me. And I went under that tent that night and Brother Blue stood and preached a message. He had preached it about five years earlier and I had surrendered my life to the Lord. And he stood that night and said, you know, he said, I preached on this text one time uh, several years ago and I don't know why, but God won't let me get it off my heart tonight. He said, I'm going to preach tonight on walking with God. And he preached that night, Enoch walked with God. Abraham was a friend of God. Paul was a servant of God. And he said, this is the first time I've preached this in about five years. And that night, the Holy Spirit of God used the same text, the same message, the same outline, the same preacher, and the Holy Ghost of God arrested my soul and I surrendered to the Rock of Ages ministry. I went home that night and I thought to myself, now how am I going to tell Mrs. Ellis, we're getting ready to go into full-time ministry, but it's not going to be pastoring, it's not going to be evangelism, it's not going to be youth ministry, street ministry, we're going to prison. (laughs) I knocked on the door, she came to the door, and I'm trying to muster up the strength to tell her. I was by myself that night because the children were sick, and we lived in a little 600-square-foot house if you wanted to call it a house. And when she opened the door, tears were dripping off her cheeks. She said, you do not have to say one word because the Holy Ghost of God has shown me tonight we're supposed to be missionaries with the Rock of Ages Ministries. Ladies, let me ask you tonight, are you holding back your husband? 
when God looked for a missionary in the church at Antioch, only five out of that entire congregation met the qualifications. And I didn't have time to look at those tonight. Only five. Let me ask you tonight. Are you one of the five? Our fathers, we bow before you. I'd ask you now that you'll take this text, use it for your glory and honor. If there's a young man, a young lady that you're dealing with about missions tonight, help them to come and to surrender. There's one here tonight that's surrendered, but they've grown cold on their calling. Help them tonight to recommit, to rededicate. There's one here tonight, a family where one of the spouses is holding back the other. Maybe a husband, maybe a wife. It may be children. It may be circumstances. Maybe finances. I pray that you'll do your work, do your bidding. Help them realize it's a great honor to be considered in the small number that you called. Many are called, but few are chosen. So tonight I'd ask you now that you'll help us. God, may our lives be so that if you did come to Bible Baptist, we would be among the five. Now help us tonight, I pray. We ask it in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. I wonder if there's one sitting here to say, Preacher, I've got to be honest with you. The Holy Spirit of God's been dealing with me for some time now. Maybe you surrendered your life to serve the Lord in some capacity, but you have, if I can put it this way, reneged on that. It's no longer the priority that it used to be when you committed. Now it's just kind of a faded memory and commitment. And tonight you need to recommit, refire, rededicate, get back on the firing line, and be ready when God chooses to call. I wonder tonight as pastor comes to take the invitation if you wouldn't be willing to make a full commitment and surrender to the Lord, preacher.